0: Well, good evening, y'all. Hey, I, uh, I'm going to need about six volunteers to just read something from your seat. You don't have to come up. So, but I'm only going to give you the passage once. So, somebody next to you, make sure that you remember it for you. Okay. So, you, uh, you're going to have Joshua one nine. Okay. Uh, you're going to have Psalm twenty three four. You're going to have Isaiah seven fourteen. Isaiah 41.10 and then Matthew 28.20 one more right back there uh, John 1.14 okay <clears throat> now let's get real and then and, uh, and I'll pray and we'll jump in I we have a hard time and I believe I mean that song's fantastic and I believe it 100% but do you ever wonder like, he hasn't failed me yet, right? But don't you sometimes feel like he did? Like, you feel it. Because if it's all linear, if it's like up to this moment, you're going through the hardest time of your life, you're going, uh, I think he failed me. It feels like he failed me, right, if we're honest about it. But it's a lot of times we have to remember that he's, he's not, it's not like he's linear. He's not like, he's not just sitting here with us going, well, I hope I can pull this together. He's lived out your tomorrow. He's lived out your life. He knows how he's doing it. And I know that a lot of times it's, uh, and maybe for some in the room, um, the reason you have a hard time with God is just he doesn't make sense. And I, I, you know, that's the reason I worship him. That's not why I doubt him. I don't, I don't want a God that makes sense to me. If I can figure out God, then he's no smarter than I am and he's not worthy of my praise. And this is coming from a guy who got, did I tell you my SAT score? Or was this the last, I might have known the last camp. Out of 1600, I don't, is it still out of 1600? I don't know. Yeah. 880. I know, thank you. Whenever I hear that, it's like he's an imbecile. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're picking the bottom of the barrel going to come speak the truth of God here. Guys, I think you could find it. In fact, I remember speaking at a men's retreat about a year ago. And I mentioned that, and I'm, I'm not insecure about it, I, I use it as a joke all the time. In fact, my boys come up, and they, sometimes my oldest will call me 880. And I'm like, yeah, but I just paid for your dinner, so you might, you might want to be thankful. And so, but a guy comes up, he goes, hey, did you know you get 400 points just for, like, taking the test? And then he walked away, and I went, so I'm even more dumb than I thought, or dumber, whatever the right word that is. And I thought, Really? Guys, if God makes sense to me, I don't want to worship him. I don't want to get my life up for him. And I know that for some of you, the hard thing that you have about God, is like he just doesn't, he doesn't make sense. Can I just encourage you that maybe, just maybe, he knows a little bit more. God trying to explain how he does things and why he does things, it's kind of like a Ph.D. in astrophysics explaining math to a two-year-old. You're just not going to get it. You're not going to understand it and it's good it's fine and so when you get to those songs it's like you haven't failed me yet I just want to encourage you like if you're in the moment where it just feels like he's failed you he's not done he's not done and I love the uh, the video that they showed kind of in the middle of that song the guy preaching you haven't ever heard John Piper Oh <laughs> homeboy can preach it he can bring it he talks about the like, suffering and how it God actually will not waste a millisecond of suffering that all of it's for your good and I know we don't get it we don't understand it but I promise you that he'll make it known somehow and the reason I bring all that uh, this up is because the main thing and I talked about if I could tweet scripture in one tweet the whole totality of the teaching of the Bible into one tweet I said it was this God with us that we might be with him and I want you to see that it's kind of cover to cover. I don't. We don't have enough time to go through every book, every verse that it's stated, and we're just going to have a few that are read. But that that tweet doesn't matter if God's not big to you, and if He's not impressive, and if if He's just smaller, He's a little bit better. Who cares if He's with me? So I really want to make sure that we've painted a picture. At least if we go back to Friday night and go, okay, I don't, I didn't know how to talk to God after that this universe that's ever expanding, it's never stopping, it just keeps going. The Bible says that God measures the universe with the span of his hand. It's like he looks at the universe and goes, ah, it's like that big. Because that's the God that says, call me dead. So that's who is with us. So let's pray. And then I'm just going to start calling out the passages of those who took one for me. And we're just going to kind of see what it is that scripture is trying to get us to see about. you don't make sense. I thank you that you're so much bigger than we are. I thank you that there is no limit to you. I thank you that God, you being massive gives me peace. God, for those who are in the room and they're just struggling with that, God, I pray it brings them peace. I don't, God, I I guess I don't want to be the standard of truth and I don't want to be the standard of your existence. I'm just not smart enough for but God, when the rubber meets the road and we're trying to figure out life and how it all works, that God, there's still those who are in here that are just facing a hard time and then what they're asking is that, God, why won't you fix this? Like right now, God, why won't you fix it? If you can, if you're all powerful and great and good and holy, then why can't you? Or why won't you do this? And I pray that tonight by your Holy Spirit that you would encourage them, maybe give them a glimmer of hope of what it would look like. A feeble attempt of my own to try to make much of Jesus and just make Jesus look incredible. Show, just reveal your glory. For your glory. Not for, not for anybody's here. Just so God, we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, Amen. Joshua 1 9. Who has that one? Real, real loud, so we can hear you. Great. Psalm 23 4. Isaiah 7.14. Now you may sit there and go, well, it doesn't say that God's with us, except the fact that Emmanuel means God with us. So it's kind of there. It's in the name. So sorry, Isaiah 7:14. After that, Isaiah 41:10. Matthew 28:20. 20, 20. Sorry, Matthew 28. Are you there? Matthew 28. Twenty chapter 28. Verse 20. I think it's the very last verse of Matthew. It's a great verse you're reading, but that's not gonna back up my claim. Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. 28. Matthew 28, 28, verse 20. Very last verse. 14. Thank you. As you hear this common theme. Guys, we're going all the way back to Genesis 3. When God walks in the garden, that's God with them. Like I said, I don't think it was the first time that he did that. They recognized him walking through the garden. It caused them to run. So even in that, the normal relationship that they would have is that God would be with them. You get to Joshua one nine. He's taking Joshua, who's supposed to follow up Moses to lead a couple million people into the Promised Land. He's like, hey, don't, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. You know, all you have to tell a person to be strong and courageous because they're feeling pretty weak and they're afraid. Guys, a lot of times we elevate the people in the scriptures and go, if I could just be like them. Guys, anyone in the Bible, any person you can think of in the Bible is an extra in the story. The main character in the scriptures is Jesus. All the law and the prophets point to him. God is the main character. So when God looks at him and says, Be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous. You're gonna lead these people into the land that I promised. Man, but you gotta meditate on my word day and night. Don't go to the left, don't go to the right, just go right where I tell you. Oh, and by the way, I'll be with you. Like, don't be afraid, because I'm with you. From that to Psalm 23, when you're in the valley of shadow death, I with you I'll be with you Isaiah 714 it's in his name Isaiah 4110 he says I'm going to be with you you get to matthew 28 this great commission that he gives us as followers of Jesus which seems massive to go make disciples of all nations every nation on the planet he's like you've got to go take this message you're like it's too big he's like don't worry about it I'll be with you it cover to cover you get to John 1:14. the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us even in the Old Testament when they set up the tabernacle which is that tent where God resides the scriptures say he wanted the tent there for what purpose that I might dwell in the midst of my people there is no other deity on the planet who has ever claimed the desire to be with his people the deities that people worship is always far off and here comes the God of the Bible going I want to be right in the middle Not as you want to be around the middle, he becomes a person. He becomes man so he can be. But then he does everything necessary so he can be with us and us with him. We're going to look at Luke chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Just another another passage just to show it. Soon after, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man... Who had died was being carried out the only son of his mother she was a widow and a considerable crowd from the town was with her now just stop there for just a second guys what Jesus has been done, doing before this moment Jesus has been teaching Jesus has been healing guys, can you imagine this massive crowd because it says there was, this, there was this great crowd that went with Jesus so he has his disciples and this great crowd following him and I would be too if I'm in the crowd watching him do what he does if I'm hearing what it is that he's teaching and I'm blown away by it, I'm going to go wherever he goes, kind of. Because you might just be part of the crowd who wants the stuff, but you might be a disciple who actually wants Jesus. But there's this massive crowd that's following, and I'm guessing, this is, my, this is my guess, that they're filled with hope. Why? Because if you see people getting healed, you have this hope, right? There's this excitement. So you have this great crowd, and then you have this considerable crowd over here. So this great crowd filled with hope, this considerable crowd over here filled with what? Grief. Why? Because the only son of this widow has now died. And friends, in that day, man, she's going to be in for a world of hurt. In that day, she would be left because of this, unless somebody took her into their home, she would be left to beg. So this is a big deal it doesn't have a husband anymore she's a widow this is her only son he's now died you have a hope-filled group and you have a hope what? less group right? do you see it? kind of? and Jesus and the crew walk up on this it's a funeral procession here's it man mark this in your Bible if you can now you sit there and go I'm not going to write my Bible what will God do to me? he'll he'll applaud it's his word, not his face. You're fine. Watch this. When the Lord saw her. Man, that phrase right there. When the Lord saw her. Think about it. Massive crowd with him. Considerable crowd with her. And he saw her. Because okay, so and you feel like you're just part of the crowd. That God doesn't notice. God doesn't see you. Because you're just one of eight billion people on the planet. Easier. And Jesus saw her And then he had compassion on her Why have compassion? He's like, well, God's a God of compassion I know, but why be so moved by this? It doesn't say that he had compassion with everyone that he met Why her? Sometimes doesn't it feel like God just doesn't relate He can't relate He doesn't know what we're going through He doesn't know how hard it is You ever notice that you never hear about Joseph, his dad, after the passage where Jesus was twelve? You hear about Mary, you never hear about Joseph again after that. You remember that passage when he's twelve? The whole family would be like a caravan of the family, like he, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, and he has brothers and sisters, and they're all walking together. But they would probably walk in a group of maybe about hundred for safety. They're traveling to Jerusalem to go to the temple. This is what you would do do on a yearly basis. And then, think about it. So they get there. They present their sacrifices. They're leaving. Mary might looks, at, looks at Joseph and goes, One job. Make sure we got Jesus. Because we don't want to be known as those parents who lost God. Okay, so we don't want to lose God's son. We don't want to lose him. So he's like, I got this. I got this. And so they're leaving. And it's like, I think it said a day's journey. They got a whole day. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm guaranteed it's Mary. Mary's like, hey, where's Jesus? Joseph's like, Oh man, um, I'm sure he's here. I'm sorry sure he's here. They scour the area, they look for him, he's not there. Then they go back. I think they searched for three days. Guys, this is, can you, can you imagine the stress in the marriage relationship? Can you imagine the angels in heaven going, seriously, God, you picked them? They lost, they lost him. Jesus is in the temple blowing the minds of all the religious leaders with what did he do as a 12-year-old? Then they find him. And Mary's like, why would you do this to me? He's like, I had to be where my father's dad. I had to be in my dad's house. And it wasn't like he was being rebellious. And then they take him and he goes. And, and then all of a sudden, the next time you hear about Jesus, he's 30. There's a lot that happens after that period. But you never hear about Joseph again. And I don't think it's because Mary killed him. You lost our son. Bam, they killed him. I don't think it was like that. I just think, it's just, I think he died. So maybe that Jesus can have compassion on her because he remembers what it was like when he watched his mom lose her husband. He felt it, he saw it. This is also a woman who's buried her son and knows what it will feel like for her mom or for his mom when she has to see that he gets buried he's going to die as well. A lot of times we don't think that God relates, but he does. I think the hardest thing I've gone through as a pastor is just walking with parents who lose their kid. I just, that breaks my heart. And I can't say that every prayer that's come out of my mouth in those situations has always been one of trust and faith and respect. I've been known to lose it on God a little bit. And God's got some broad shoulders; He's okay. He gets it. He knows it's hard. I think there's a point where He's like, "Hey, pull it back, there, buddy. I know you're going going a little far. Let's bring it back. Remember who you're talking to." But He does let me say what I need to say, and I can prove it, guys. When we get to Psalm 13, a man after God's own heart, He prays this way. He opens the prayer, "How long, O Lord, will You forget me?" It'd be one thing if He stopped there, but He says, "How long, O Lord, will You forget me forever?" Oh, you throw in the word "forever." You got some sass. You ever to think that the Father, our Heavenly Father, knows what it's like to lose a son? What we as dads would never know is what it felt like to take the life of your son, to pour out your wrath on him because it was your will to crush him. A lot of times we don't think about God's perspective. We have a high priest who sympathizes with and our weaknesses. He gets it. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that, right? he sympathizes with us why because he's been tempted in every way he's been tested in every way yet he's without sin so i think he has compassion on her because he knows and he's felt things and but then he walks up on her and says do not weep to be honest that sounds so rude can you imagine it's at the funeral Can you imagine? I'm doing a funeral and I walk up and say, it's a mom, lost a son, and I just walk up to her and I go, stop crying. Don't you think she should chop me in the throat? And Jesus, I mean, just, Jesus doesn't say what he's going to do. Doesn't introduce himself, even though maybe she has an idea who he is. Just walks up and says, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the buyer and the bearers stood still and, He said, young man, I say to you, arise. And they just sit there and go, why say it that way? Why not just say, get up? Hey, get up. Why is it all of a sudden he goes, hey, I say to you, arise. Guys, there is something powerful in that statement. I say to you. He's like, well, who? The one who created it all. The one who spoke everything into existence. The one who came up with the concept of light. The one who came up with the concept of wisdom. The one who created life. The one who measures the universe with the span of his hand. The one who takes the oceans, all the waters on the planet and measures it in the hollow of his hand. This one who created everything, I say to you because I have all power and all authority. I tell you to get up. Have you ever thought what it would be like to be the person who drives the hearse at a funeral and to hear this from behind you? You're just driving along super slow. The whole group of cars are following you. You're just driving along and you hear this. Hey! She so turned the stereo up, right? Just, I didn't hear that. That's how I fix my car. When I hear a rattle, I'm like... Don't hear it. Fixed it. I'm the man. Guys, can you imagine as you're driving along and you hear this... And then it comes open, and he sits up and says, what are we doing? Guys, you jump out of the car. Guys, everything changed. In that moment, the whole place just stops. Dead men sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. And what seized them? Do you see what it says in your your Bible, verse 16? What, What seized them? Uh, we have another translation? Fear. Yeah, when you look up the word, it's like the word terror. Isn't it weird? We just, I don't know why we have, and I might have said it on Friday. We have so many people say, God's not terrifying. We're supposed to have a, a healthy respect for him. I'm like, healthy respect? How will have a healthy respect for a human. Isn't it amazing that the angels, when the angels show up, all of a sudden, the first thing that they have to say is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because for some reason, we always picture like the angels kind of cute, kind of little, not super big, wings, right? We get, they got wings, and they just kind of look like us. Has you ever read Revelation and thought, there are going to be some freaky beings in heaven? You get something that has like foreheads and eyes all over its body, man, you'll Instagram that sucker. <laughs> and, you'll, and you'll hashtag, what the... I don't picture these little beans. Picture these massive, jacked warriors. Because the, fir- the first thing they have to say is, don't be afraid. The only re- first reason they have to say that, the reason they have to say that first is because they're freaking out. Because there's this passage, I think it's 2 Kings. Elisha is there, his servants with them. and then this army comes around them because El- God would tell Elisha what this army was going to do. So then Elisha would warn Israel and then they would get out of it or they would win the battle or whatever. So this, the king goes, we got to get rid of Elisha. They find out where he is. The ho- it says like horses and chariots, like a whole army is surrounding one guy, Elisha, and then his servant. And his servant comes walking out and goes, uh-oh, walks back and going, hey, we're surrounded. I think we're dead. And Elisha goes, just go back out there. And then, and then he prays. God, open his eyes that he could see. Walks back out No joke Here's this army Surrounding them And then surrounding the army Are horses and chariots That are on fire Dude I don't I've never seen a horse on fire But I just want to give you This universal concept And understanding If you ever meet a horse On fire And it likes it Run What's that? That's good, thank you. appreciate it. Like, good meat? I don't want to eat it. <laughs> I'm not giving you that at all. <laughs> Guys, this, I mean, it's like, here's, here's Elisha, here's this army. This is the thing that's the, the most terrifying thing that the servant could see. And here comes God going, no, no, I'm surrounding that. And what is about me is bigger than this. Because you know what this concept of God with us does? It should push out the fear that God is with us. But this happens and fear seizes them. Of course it should. Because this is good. This is a good fear. Now watch what happens next. Fear seizes them all. Oh, and they glorified God saying, A great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. You see it Again? Genesis 3, God with us. Joshua 1, God with us. Psalm 23, God with us. Isaiah 7 and 41, God with us. Matthew 28, John 1, God with us. Luke chapter 7, God with us. Guys, it's, it's from cover to cover. And then we go to Revelation. This is the one that all us Christians like to fight about. We fight about this rather than actually do what Jesus told us to do. I don't get it. Brian, how's it going to end? I don't know. He's got it figured out. Let's just go do the mission. But watch, just watch this. This is fantastic. Verse, uh, verse one of Revelation twenty-one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. It's just a weird description, is it? No more sea. There's no more sea. Thank goodness. I mean, does John just hate the beach? When John wrote Revelation, where was he? You remember? Not Patmos, right? He's he's on an island for what purpose? He's banished. He's he's left there to die. This isn't like a vacation. So he's left there to die, and across the sea, he sees where life is, where everyone else is. So can you see why, as he's writing this, he's sitting there going, there's a new heaven, and then there's a new earth, and then there's no more separation. There's no more sea. I think that's why he writes it. Verse 2, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, out of heaven, what's it say, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Guys, there's this reunion that's happening. This new heaven and new earth, and we're part of it. And he's like, it's like, okay, it's like a, a bride adorned for her husband, this coming together of husband and wife. Guys, I love doing weddings for Christians. I love it. I love doing weddings for Christians who are so stinking excited for the day. No joke. I've done some weddings for people that, that one they didn't didn't really love the Lord, and and it was kind of like I was in the way of the party. I felt it like it's, as I'm talking, it just it's almost like they're yawning in my face, and I'm not going to lie. I, as I look at them, going, you don't care what I'm saying right now, like I'm in the message part, and I'll just scroll through the message and get to the vows because I keep sitting there going, I'm here, my family's at home by themselves. I'm going home as soon as I can, and so I'll go through it quicker because they're not into it, but the couple that loves it oh, so fun. there's one couple that I, I I always say this story when it comes to this passage. Uh, they got back, married back in Missouri, they flew me out for it. It was so fun to watch. They didn't see each other before the before the moment, and so I always have this thing with the grooms um, they're always we're always kind of sitting in a room we'll pray on it we'll pray for them, we'll lay hands on them but it's like he's always kind of just moving. It's, a, it's like he's just getting his steps in. He's got six feet back and forth, but he's got like 12,000 steps. He's just going through it. And so I try to calm him down. I'm like, hey, come here. Dude, can you imagine what it'd be like if right before you saw her, you went blind? And then we walk out. And he's <laughs> like, why would you do that to him? Because that's what my youth pastor did to me. I'm like, I'm a little nervous. Here we go. He's like... Wouldn't it suck if you went, went blind right before you saw her? And I went, yeah Well, we'll see And then we walk out And once the door's open I like punched him I'm like, I can still see I was super excited So he, he's out there with me We're waiting And I always have this thing with the grooms It's like once the bride gets there I scoot over And then I move him over to the middle So he has the best view Because he don't want to look at this Obviously So I pull him over And as she comes out the door, no joke, as he sees her, he goes, "Ah!" He just screams like, oh my gosh. And then he stands up and he's just bawling. She gets to the back row and no joke, starts doing this. She starts jumping. I just just started laughing. And then she comes forward and as they get closer, it's it's like watching two puppies. They're all super excited, right? It's just, it was awesome. And I remember during the vows I was like, she's repeating after me And I'm getting to a part And she said something And then she kind of paused And she goes Oh crap, what did you say? And I was like I think that's the first time Anyone has ever said crap In a wedding But okay, let's keep going with it It was just so much fun I just sat there I was like, this is amazing So when you see her come out guess, Guys, who's been to a wedding recently? You ever notice Here's the rule When the bride comes in You're supposed to stand Did you know that? You stand up And you always face her Who's the next person you look at? The groom, right? You look at her, and it goes, oh, she's beautiful. And then you look this way, and this is what you're thinking. Oh, you best be crying. You best, because you and her, uh-uh. I, don't, I still don't get it. Right? It just feels a little bit weird, right? But you always look, and once, guys, I've never been to a wedding. I've never officiated wedding where there's not like the little lip quiver thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like the groom's like. <laughs> at least that. Even the big, all jacked up, like, manly men guys. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. I can her. It's just weird and beautiful and exciting and wonderful. And you just sit and go. So that's what God says that with this new heaven and new earth coming together, this reunion, is going to be like that. that's what He's trying to get us to picture. And when you think of the fact that Jesus calls himself the groom and that we're the bride, the church is the bride, and this coming together, he's like, don't picture it just like, there's God, and we just come, and he's sitting on a chair, he's sitting on a big old throne, he's kind of tired because he's been around for a long time. He's like, no, you picture this bride who's been adorned coming to the groom in this excitement and passion because this is what they've been waiting for. That's what we're supposed to see. Then I heard a loud voice, verse 3, from the throne saying, watch it, here it is. Behold, the dwelling place of God is what? With man. As the word man would be with humans, man and woman. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Genesis 3, God with us. Joshua 1. God with us. Psalm 23, God with us. Isaiah 7, God with us. Isaiah 41, God with us. Matthew 28, God with us. John chapter 1, God with us. Luke chapter 7, God with us. You get to Revelation 21, God with us. It's like he repeats it over and over. The dwelling place of God is now with man. And then watch what it is that he does. He will wipe, God will wipe every tear. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. You know what this passage says? It says that God knows that there's pain and crying and brokenness and things that just don't make sense right now. He gets it. Guys, it's one thing to go from a wedding. It's another thing to go to a funeral. Because when you go to a funeral, don't you sit there and go... There's just something in you going, it's not supposed to be like this. Right? I said did a funeral last week. I, didn't, I, didn't, I never met him. The daughters come to our worship gathering sporadically. So when, it ha- when he just passed away in his sleep, I came to find out that he came to Christ back in June. He was in his 60s. He battled cancer for like 15 years. and but When I heard he came to Christ in June, and his mission right after that was to go to his dad whose dad, and his dad was on, it's just a couple months after that, went to his dad's deathbed and just told him about Jesus. And his dad came to surrender to Jesus right before he passes. So I'm just sitting there going, are you kidding me? Like, this is who he is? And then the daughter says, preach the gospel. And i was like, okay, all right, if I have to. And here's how I started it. I said, guys, I don't know where you are with Jesus. But whenever you come to your funeral, doesn't it feel like, it's just not supposed to be like, Right, even if you don't believe in Jesus, this, it, this doesn't feel right. So where did we get that feeling that it doesn't feel right? Like if a cheetah takes down a, what do they chase? A gazelle. The cheetah takes down a gazelle. You don't see the gazelle come around the gazelles and go. We gotta bury it. We're gonna miss our friend. Let's have a funeral for, gazelle the gazelle. It's like that's just, <laughs> like this this just mourn the mourn the loss. All the gazelles are sitting there going, I'm glad I was faster. And the cheetos don't come around and go, was it really necessary? Was this a moral right in your mind that you should have had the right? It's just how it is. But when it comes to us humans, we sit and go, it's not supposed to be like this. Where did we come up with that concept? Other than it was never supposed to be like this. We're created in the image of God, and God created everything great and good, and we broke it, and there's just something that doesn't make sense. Think about there's no more death. Funerals suck. Saying bye to people sucks, right? Guys, there's no more cancer. There's no cancer now. Isn't that good news? No more sickness. Guys, no more no more babies dying. No more old people dying. There's there's no more school shootings. There's no more shame. There's no more sense of abandonment. There's no more sense of being lonely like you don't fit in. Guys, there's no more oppression. There's no sex trafficking. There's no more slave trade. There's no more kids in being sex trafficked or in the slave trade. There's no more, guys, there's no more plagues. There's no more poverty. There's no more hunger. Guys, it just all seems right. Even as I list that, though, it's the best part of heaven. And I know we know the answer. Well, I figure we'll throw out the good Sunday school answer. But I remember sitting in the chapel once, and the guy asked a question. I really always, whenever they ask a rhetorical a rhetorical question, I always try to really think through it. Not even today. If someone asks a rhetorical question, I really started. I really try to think through what my answer is, rather than just what they want to hear. And so, from a friend, he goes, "Just imagine everything that heaven is. Everything I just described here." And even more. I mean, there's more than we can ever hope for or imagine. He says, imagine everything that heaven is. Guys, think there's no more death. That means you, like if there, if there are roller coasters in heaven, you don't need the safety thing on. Isn't that fantastic? Guys, I, I don't know if I trust the workers that much that don't really check that thing on me. You ever put it on and just like click, 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 click Here is your life Hope you don't die That's kind of what they're saying the whole time And as they walk by They just do this Click, click And then they come up to me Guys, I weigh about 240 pounds They go like this You're fine And they just keep going And I'm like There better be 241 pounds of pressure In that little Or else this doesn't matter And they don't care if I die But in heaven, I'm like I don't need this You rock climb in heaven You get to the top Just jump off heaven would be fantastic but he's like imagine all that heaven is but Jesus wasn't there would you be bummed? and I sat and I thought through it this is probably I think this is in college it's like six years ago shut up Okay. So <laughs> I sat there I was like wait sorry, but I get the stuff right? Yeah, I might be bummed for a little bit maybe alright that's where I was I was in ministry with middle schoolers and I was working at a church and I said, I was like, nah, I'd be all right. I'm going to be bummed for a little bit, but I'd be all right. (sighs) Today, this is all Jesus. Here's heaven. Give me one room, two chairs. I don't care. What What about streets of gold? I don't care. I love the fact that it says there's streets of gold like the most precious material on our planet, God's like, ah, that's asphalt for heaven. They don't care about all this. It's just Jesus, just him and this whole concept. He's like, oh, and this loud voice from the throne screams that the dwelling place of God is now with man. Guys, the loud voice comes from the throne. That means it's God screaming this out. I'm with you and you're with me. No more death, no more dying, no more school shootings No more cancer, no more sickness It's over, it's like it was supposed to be In Genesis chapter 1 and 2 Everything's restored Everything's perfect And the best part God with us That we might be with Him Guys, from cover to cover From cover to cover You see God's heart. Everything necessary. Sets the tabernacle in the middle of the people of Israel. Why? So God could dwell in the midst of his people. Jesus coming and becoming the sacrificial lamb of God. For what purpose? That he could dwell among his people. That he could have us back. Guys, we have a God who wants to get in the middle of it. Who wants to get dirty. Make sure that he gets his kids back. God with us. That we might be with him. Friends, this is the God we worship. This is the God that we follow. This is the God that we're invited to love and adore. And I know that for some of you the first thing that you say is if he's so great and he's so good then why? And I can't answer. But anyone that tells you otherwise, friends, this book, you know what this book is? It's a book of suffering. It really is. It's God meeting people in their suffering. Guys, isn't the name Israel? Those who have struggled or like wrestled with God, they've struggled with God. Even he names his people after that. Guys, he tells us you're gonna go through tough things. It's part of the process. It's part of life. Guys, I never learn anything memorable that changes my life in the times of comfort. The only things that have stuck are the times that I've gone through the hardest times it's in those hardest times that I know that God has met me. Now you're sitting there going, somebody's sitting there going, okay, I'm going through the hardest time, it just feels like God left. That's when you trust his word more than you trust your feelings. You trust what he says more than how you feel. Guys, I just want to encourage you. I never want to be one of those preachers that just preaches the the fun, easy stuff, because there's a lot of that in this. I do believe he's holy. I believe that God is has wrath. I believe that he pours that out. I believe he's just. But he's just because he's loving. Think about it. With all the atrocities that people have done, for God to not punish them, is that loving? He has to punish evil. For God so loved the world that he gave. Isn't it weird that we'll He doesn't do things how we think he should. But for some reason, we're okay with the fact that Jesus, the innocent son of God, went to a cross and took on the wrath of God. And we don't blink an eye at the fact that the one who was innocent suffered something that no one will ever have to suffer. We're okay with that. I look at Jesus and I say, thank you, Jesus, that you are so good. And during the times I don't understand you, I just thank you that you And guys, I don't know that I've always been there. I think you grow. I'm still growing. I didn't go to college six years ago. I know some of you guys were freaked out by that. Guys, I'm 45. I am not the same as I was when I was 25. And I won't be the same when I'm 65, if God lets me live that long. Guys, we're all in process. And we're all broken. And we're all hurting. And God meets us and does miraculous things like we never thought that He could. So my last story... One of the hardest things I've ever done I've walked with this family for 20 something years there's these parents the set of parents they have four daughters the uh, second oldest uh, I've known her since she was a middle schooler she's now in her mid-30s uh, she was in my middle school group middle school youth group uh, the other sisters I'd ever saw them. but when it's time for the oldest sister to get married who do they call me because I was the youth pastor of the other one so they call me loved it loved getting to know the family talked to them went through the whole thing I think I've married off three of the four. It's all—it's like I've become the personal pastor. I remember uh, Danielle and John. Danielle's the third oldest; she's number three in the line. And these—oh gosh—these sisters are go-getters. I mean, they are fantastic. I mean, if you want anything accomplished, call these four, and they'll just do it. Just the sweetest, most loving family, and but they didn't really hit church all that often. Weren't really part of a community. Wasn't no—didn't know, know where they're at with Jesus. That's why I love premarital counseling. You can just share the gospel and talk through all that. And I remember with them, baby boy Elwood comes along. Things are great. And then they're pregnant again, and his name's Remington. They call him Remy. He had this congenital heart defect they didn't know about. That when when he was born, his oxygen levels were at 50%. I mean, she had a, so, and, she, and she had a C-section and so they had to take him from one hospital to, to another hospital and she can't go. And so dad rides with him in the ambulance, they're going with lights and sirens and she can't move. And there just quote unquote happened to be a doctor there that kind of had an idea what was going on. They did some kind of procedure. The blood flow in his, in his body was going backwards. And the doctor went in and just kind of pricked a certain artery and it made it go the other way, and it brought it to 85%, but he was still in pretty bad shape. And so they airlifted him from that hospital, Children's Hospital in L.A. Dad's in the, hosp- Dad's in the helicopter. Mom's still in the first hospital. And it just so happens to be the number one children's heart surgeon at Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. just happens. At two or three days old, he has open heart, open chest heart surgery. You don't usually heal from a C-section in a day. The next day, she's at the hospital. Why? Because you can't stop a mama bear. And so I remember getting the phone call everything was going on. So I drive, about, it's about 60 miles away from where I'm living, and I just drive down there. And they let me in. It's amazing when you say you're a pastor, you can kind of get into any room. It's kind of fun. Not during the surgery, but it's like, oh, no one, just family. I'm their pastor. Please come in. It's awesome. I love it. So I go up and there he is I'm watching I, I see his chest is open they just have it covered it looks, like, it looks like plastic but I know it's not and I can just see his heart and I'm looking at the two of them and I'm like you guys nice doing I'm like don't blow smoke up my tail end like how are you doing and there was just this, this sense of peace but they were hurting and broken his parents and then all the other sisters are there and they were downstairs and their parents were there and I'm just seeing them and I'm just loving on there for hours I think Remy had this, he had a heart surgery. I think he had two brain surgeries before the time he was six months old. And to walk through all that with them. And now he's about five. And he's an unstoppable little lion. I mean he'll stand on the couch and do a backflip. And like wait wait, 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 you're fragile. He's just unstoppable. So baby number three comes. Everything's looking great. I'm up in Canada. I just, I just flew in there for a camp. I was just gonna start that day. It was an eight-long, eight-day-long thing. That morning, I was out, I think I was out in the little gym, I was working out, and then I get this text. We lost him. It was a month from being born. And I just took my phone. And I went, what? And I just screamed. And it was something I'm not gonna go as loud as I did then. But it's kind of like, are you kidding me God like they go through that with Revington and now Messiah is gone so I ran outside the little gym I was in and just call him I was like what the dad's like we just lost him she didn't feel him moving and so she checked and she, she saw a heartbeat and thought okay we're all fine but the heartbeat that she saw was hers the umbilical cord had gone around his neck and he suffocated. And I couldn't get home. I couldn't leave. It broke my heart. I said, like, guys, I can't get there. I remember getting off the phone. I just prayed with him. I was talking with him. And then I'd see pictures of what's going on and this little, tiny, little guy. And I was just walking. And I was, and I, I was mad. I'm like, God, I don't know how much more this couple can take. I don't know how much more. I mean, they... they they go through everything with Remy and now they're going through all this with like they lose Matthias. It's like, you're the one who's in control of all this. I'm saying all this out loud. I'm by myself. And then when I finally shut up, this thought comes to my mind. Do you actually think that I love them less than you do? Yes, <sighs> through all of this, you know what I saw happen? All the sisters, except for the one who's out of, out of the area, they're all part of our church community. I walked through a 10 week discipleship thing with all of them because they all wanted to be in. Our church came around and prayed for them and provided And then There's this I love this, this, little, this little ministry. There's prayer shawls where you get this, this blanket and you tie the, the ends, and it's like every time you tie it, you pray for them. And when they showed up to the next worship gathering, guess what she was wearing? That prayer show. And that family is still part of our community. And she still hurts, What mama wouldn't miss the baby. They still hurt. Man, they drew to Jesus. Huh. Guys, I will never tell you, follow Jesus and it's all easy. No, I'll say follow Jesus and guess what we get? God with us. That we might be with him. God with us. God says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, he means it. Think about what he went through to make that the reality. Guys, he endured the wrath of God. There is no reason he I just, God, I'm just thinking about like I shared earlier with Kelly and me going through her cancer stuff and you just showed up. You showed up in all of that. And I never would have understood your sovereignty. I never would have understood how good a relationship with you is if that hadn't happened. And I still praise you. That was not a waste. That was not an oops. I thank you that Matthias Thank you for the life that has impacted hundreds of people as I've told a story. How he was used to bring his family closer to Jesus. I want to thank you that, God, you are the author of life. And yes, you are the one who takes life away. But it's all based upon your timing and for your purpose and for your glory. But in all of it, God, whether mountaintop experiences that are just high and amazing or these valleys that are so difficult, Thank you that in all of it, you are with us. John 11 comes to my mind where you heard that your friend died. You showed up to where he was buried. and you, The Bible says you wept. Even though you knew you were going to bring him back from the dead, you cried. Because it's just not so.